This is Ben Kitchings of the History Voyager, a podcast about history. This is one of the episodes where I talk to business owners and mainly even just regular people in the community. This is a man named Jonathan Smith. He is a social media marketer. He actually owns a company. We had a fascinating conversation um, between the two of us. The thing I learned from this, actually, is it kind of confirmed what I've been thinking now for quite a while. And that is that our entertainment world is changing. The way we entertain ourselves is changing. The way work is going to get done, especially what they call symbol manipulation work, uh, is going to get done, is going to change significantly. Anyway, uh, enjoy this podcast. Uh, I certainly did. Um, Okay, take it away. This call is now being recorded. Hello, I'm here with Jonathan Smith, and this is Ben Kissings of the History Voyager, and this is one of my podcasts where I talk to people about the realities of 2020 and COVID-19 and such. So, Jonathan, um, would you mind telling us where you are in the world? Yeah, hi, my name is Jonathan Smith. Um, I come from uh, sunny California, um, northern California in the in um, Sonoma County, wine country. Cool. And uh, you told me you have a, uh, like a social media marketing situation. Yeah, so um, just a little brief summary. Um, I founded and run um, NetSocial, which is a social media marketing and producing company. Um, it's just a little short bit about me. It started out just kind of as doing one-off campaigns for local businesses in the Sonoma County area, like if they wanted to push a sale that was going on or something. And then it kind of became a little bit bigger of a thing, um, picking up clients that are all over the U.S. at this point. So that's kind of that in a nutshell. Essentially, I'm producing social media posts or, at at the very least, one-off campaign posts trying to help increase revenue to my clients. Okay. Fantastic. Um, So, this is fundamentally a history podcast. So, let me ask you, uh, when did you (laughs) – I've discovered this is really two questions. Uh, when did you first learn about COVID-19, and when did you realize it was coming to America? And okay. Guess, like, when did you realize it was a big deal? Yeah. So, really, so, three questions. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, this is kind of a long and tricky um, question. So, I'd say the first mumblings I heard about COVID-19 being in a different country and everything was back in January or so, maybe February. I can't remember the exact timeline. But, you know, I heard about it, and needless to say, I kind of didn't take it seriously at first. Um, it, you know, um, growing up through the 90s and the 2000s, you know, I I heard things of, like, the swine flu and the avian flu and all of that, and those essentially amounted to maybe a month's worth of news trending in other countries, maybe one or two cases here in America. 
and then nothing came of it. So, needless to say, me and a lot of people, I, a lot of people I know, kind of brushed it off like, "Oh, hey, this is gonna clear up in a month or two. We'll, we don't have to worry about it." And then, the real moment that I realized it was happening. Me and my wife had taken a vacation to Disneyland, and they closed the parks the day we were there. <laughs> and at that point, we just realized, oh, this is a real thing. And so, yeah, that's really when I realized that this was a thing. Uh, Jonathan, do you know anybody that has the virus or any knock-on effects? Anything um, like that? So, um, as of right now, my cousin had it about two months ago. She tested positive. Um, she, she, she has fully recovered. She, um, it, it wasn't, I guess it wasn't as dramatic as you would think. She lost her sense of taste and smell and then went and got tested. And they're like, yeah, you tested, you're testing positive for COVID. Um, she had to quarantine for 14 days. Um, that's been, like I said, about a month ago now, so, or two months, so, she's been in the clear for quite a few weeks now. Oh, that's good, it's good to hear, it's good, good to hear that. And, um, I guess, like, so you, you living out there in California, um, I, do you, first of all, let me ask you this, because I've discovered this is a question. Do you, do you think that our world is going to be different after COVID-19, number one? 100%. And, um, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to ramble on and on, but I'm, there's going to be two big changes in my opinion. First of all, how we distance ourselves from each other on a day-to-day basis. I truly believe, you know, people will be more aware of the amount of space they are taking up in proximity to other people. But more importantly than that, I truly believe we are moving to a more automated or online experience for almost everything that we do. Um, you know, um, living here in Sonoma County, we're not a small area by any means, but we're also not like a large city like L.A. or San Francisco. And just watching small mom-and-pop businesses create apps or jump online and create websites that just, you know, allow you to order whatever you want and have it delivered or you go there and pick it up. Um, or from my business's perspective um, with social media, um, the reason I didn't – so in all honesty, I wasn't able to scale my social media business until after the pandemic started because people started realizing, well, I'm stuck at home, I need to – generate some sort of income, let me turn what I was doing as a hobby into a side hustle, and then they realize, oh, I don't know how to market myself on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, and that's where I come in, you know, so it's kind of like everything is moving to a more, what's the word I'm looking for, a more, um, like, more, more virtual, yeah, yeah, more virtual, more, more virtual, and yeah. people aren't people are more concerned about their niche. There's more money to be made in targeting a select few people instead of advertising to the masses. What I've noticed, just running a, I've, I've been running a podcast since I guess the middle of March, 
And what I've noticed is that once you get off, like on Facebook, right, once you get off the, what I call the garden path of baby humans and, and baby dogs and, and, you know, your, your buddies from college or high school or whatnot, like once you get off that, Facebook is this amazing promotion platform, which also happens to be used by political people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have you noticed that? I mean, of course you have. Yeah, no, definitely. And, you know, I don't really like to delve too much into that. Um, obviously, obviously politics takes a role in everything, but the main point is, yes, um, one thing I will mention, um, kind of getting all these clients and everything in the short amount of time on, while, while, um, the pandemic's been going on. Everyone wants to almost politicize their brand right now. And I think that's going to change drastically. Uh, I think it's more right now everything's so new and everyone wants to point fingers and blame and everything else. I truly believe give this another, well, give this another, like, three or four months and the the highly politicized atmosphere that's on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram will go back to how it was before all this. Okay, so like I said, um, this is a history podcast, and so obviously there's going to be people listening to this that have no idea what before was. Okay, okay, yeah, that's a good point. So, <laughs> des- describe for me, in your own words, before. <laughs> like, okay. So, <laughs> before, um, do you mean in the general sense of just like... Um, well, you, you said what social media was like before, and... Okay. I mean, I think I know what you mean, but there's probably people in the future who who won't know what you mean, because, you know... Yeah. Um, yeah, so definitely. What I mean by that is before the pandemic and everything, social media was a place for three very different types of things. It's where you find your cute cat pictures or your cute dog memes or whatever, or where you're communicating your point of view to the greater world, whether that be your friends or your business partners or whatever. That could be religion, politics. What um you know your money situation how whatever you want to post out there or you can use it as a wonderful marketing platform which is where I come in. Um, since the pandemic, those three things have kind of blurred their lines. It's become a very polarizing topic. If you're if you're on social media and you're not, and you feel like you're not doing your job, you're not doing justice if you're not pushing some sort of political agenda or some sort of money-driven agenda. And that's not the case. I feel that is the case now. People feel they have to speak up because right now we're in a time where if brands are silent about the current political situation or the current pandemic situation, people feel like they're ignoring the general public. But as the pandemic becomes more of a... I don't want to say normal, but as it becomes more obvious that this pandemic is going to be how our situations are right now, then people, it'll be just like people don't care 
what the what your feelings or point of view of it is because it's just day to day life. Everyone's always has a point of view of day to day life and it's not big newsworthy content. So I guess that's what I mean. I guess right now social media kind of became a conglomerate where everything that you see separated as long as you wanted it to be became one big mesh. But now but going forward over the next couple months as everything kind of become stabilized, you'll see that those divisions happening again, where if you don't want to see politics, you can pretty much ignore it. Like, I'm not going to say you can completely ignore it, but you you can avoid it for as much as you'd like. I hope that yeah. did a better job of explaining. No, you did. You did. And I, I kind of knew what you meant, but, um, you know, there's there's people out there in the future that will have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, no, um, that's, that's about another point. <laughs> all right. So I personally, I wonder, I mean, I've said this for years, that I think social media is essentially came into its own during the last, during the, what they call the Great Recession. Um, and I kind of wonder if it's going to become a fad and just sort of go away. But you're you're kind of saying no, no. You think it's here to stay. You, you think it's like um, GM or IBM or something like yeah, that. Yeah. So, so I'm not saying social media will exist in the form that it is today. Like I don't know, Facebook might go away a month from now. You know, there might just be a catastrophic meltdown and Facebook no longer exists. You know, I wake up one morning. But I think social media platforms as a rule, will stick around. The game might change. You might have to convert from pictures to video, or, you know, we might go completely the opposite direction and go straight to Twitter all the time, where it's mainly words with some cute graphics. But ultimately, people are social creatures. There's always been a social media, so to speak. Um, it used to be barricaded by how much money are you willing to do to get your advertisement on TV during a prime time slot. But there's always been communication, newspapers, you know that sort of thing, um, you know, it's just, it, people, people get caught up in, oh, I need to be big on Facebook, I need to be big on Twitter, I need to be big on Instagram, because those are the three big guys. Every once in a while, a TikTok will pop up, if everyone hops on the TikTok bandwagon, and that's great, but you need to be more aware that there's hundreds of different social media platforms, Periscope, way the is one that is, has a bunch of users but barely gets any recognition as far as marketing or people are concerned. If you're not on Periscope, you don't care about Periscope, essentially. Well, I mean, for my podcast, I, I um, because I have this podcast, like, for example, I recently discovered Discord. Like, mm. I'm real – and then I find out I'm real late to the Discord party. Like, I'm really late to it. But I'm looking at this thing, and I'm like, this is useful. Like, this is incredibly useful. Mm-hmm. And that, I really believe, like, Discord with the file sharing and stuff, I honestly think we're going to see the end of offices. Like, the end of dragging into an office and doing something. Mm-hmm. And it's going to oh, yeah. be because of Discord and stuff like that. So you were talking about, like, Paris. What's Okay, so you were talking about Periscope, which leads me to a question. What is, like, the number one social media app that you see that 
maybe a lot of lots of people don't know about that you think is amazing and more people need to know about or whatever? So I'm going to answer that in three different parts of that's all right with you. I'm going to mention what's top of the game right now. I'm going to mention what's not top of the game, but definitely in the upper echelon of social media that kind of I see becoming bigger. And then I'll get into the smaller ones that are just popping up here or there and, you know, um, might become something. So number one king in the game is Facebook. It has everyone on it. Your grandmother's on it. Your kid cousin is on it, you know. Um, I feel companies really do need to focus on having a good Facebook presence or even just brand people, uh, you know, with podcasts and that sort of thing. Facebook is the key as of right now. Um, I do want to caveat that with as I say that, um, you know, you also have to be ready to pivot to whatever or whatever is the next Facebook or, you know, Instagram might overtake Facebook in a week or, you know, something like that. But so Facebook is king right now. Um, social media platform that a lot of people use but isn't getting the love it deserves. I think things like Snapchat, um, Instagram, um, stories and that sort of thing will become bigger in the future. I feel right now people are just now getting used to photos and the video content is becoming more and more popular. That was, that became evident, you know, a few years back with Vines and then, you know, Snapchat came along. TikTok's doing great things right now. We'll see how that works out in the future. Um, but I think Snapchat or something similar to Snapchat will end up overtaking most of the social media space, at least for a, a little time being, um, especially with um, Hollywood and, that, and those sorts of things being put on hiatus and on hold. There aren't going to be as many entertainment industry things happening in the future with this whole pandemic. So um, I feel people, everyday people are going to be looking to internet content creators to give them their daily entertainment, um, more and more so in the future when we run out of the stock of already produced films and music content is run, running low. Um, the one for the future. Oh, that's a tough one. Right now, I'm, Right now, I'm still going to say that TikTok is pretty early to the game, and there's a lot of um, business and politics behind it right now, depending on how it goes, though. if um, I'll try to avoid the political part of it, but as far as the business aspect of it, if someone like Microsoft or Walmart or um, like that that have been looking at TikTok actually um, buy TikTok, I think TikTok is set up to overtake Facebook in a matter of months after. Um, TikTok, we're kind of looking at the next big, like, YouTube or Vine, so to speak. Yeah. So you you said something I wasn't aware. You just said Walmart is looking at buying TikTok. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, wow. So, um, yeah, Walmart is in talks actually with Microsoft as, like, a partnership buying of TikTok. Um yeah, there's call me, um call me crazy, but th- if Walmart bought TikTok, that would be I mean Walmart, I don't know if you remember, Walmart used to be a huge retailer. Mm-hmm. You know, and if they could somehow integrate TikTok into that. Good lord. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> you know, like 
Yeah, no, that's kind of back to what I was saying. Um, you know, everyone thinks of social media as a platform if you're a content creator online. If you're not, how to put it, if you aren't a serious – so there's two types of creators in this world. There's Hollywood big-time content creators, and then there's YouTube or social media content creators. While those two lines are becoming blurred, bigger corporations are seeing the value in picking up things on these different yeah. platforms now, you know? I mean, I've, I'm even seeing that in my own life, I mean, in my own world. Um, for example, and this is a true statement, these two things are true statements, right? I am – this podcast is one of the biggest – what they call documentary podcasts in America. But yet, objectively, it doesn't have a lot of listeners. Like, the listeners it has is a big number, but it's objectively it's not, like, a huge number. You know? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And what I'm learning from this is that there's a lot of small create. There's a lot of what you would call small creators, you know. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? <laughs> and then there's, like the Joe Rogans of the world, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, it's, but it's crazy to me how, how democratic it all became, all this content creation. Oh, yeah, it's, no, definitely. It's insane. And you know, you know how, um, what's oh, that? Sorry, go ahead. I, I no, was going to say, say, it's only going to get bigger from here because the world's finally starting to realize, even though that there is a Joe Rogan out there, he might, you know, let's say Joe Rogan gets a million, uh, let's say he gets 1.5 million listeners, you, you know, he has subscribers, 1.5 million subscribers. He, they can subscribe to other people that do the same content. Maybe they really like that style of podcast. So people, people right now still feel like the television networks where you're a diehard ABC fan or you're a diehard Fox fan or whatever. You don't have to be a diehard fan. There's no competition. There is competition for space on the internet, but once you're in the space, you realize the same people are subscribing to seven or eight different podcasts that all say the same thing. They just like that niche market. Exactly. Or like it's like you said something earlier about about content creators, and I mean, Good Mythical Morning is huge, right? Mm-hmm. That's a for those of you who don't know, that's a show on YouTube. But essentially, it's these two dudes, and they talk basically snarky talk about fast food, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's like I'm watching it one night, and I'm like, this is a funny show, but why is it funny? And the thing that occurred to me was it's funny because they seem normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like. You know what I mean? It's funny because they seem normal. They don't seem like they're, I don't know, I don't want to say the word Hollywood elite, but they, you know, like if, okay, if Kevin Hart came on YouTube and started talking snarky about Taco Bell, it would read totally different from how Rhett and Link do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's, no, definitely. They they have that mom and pop gr- or homegrown feel to them, you know, because they didn't have the backing of a big studio or anything. They started out small, and now they become something large. I actually am a big fan of Good Mythical Morning, um, especially their Will It Filter content. I love watching it. It will go through the water filter. 
Oh my god. But, um <laughs> Right. But the 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 point I'm making though is that's why, you know, they're it's raw, so to speak. They they edit, you know, I'm not saying they don't do any editing, but the amount of effort into post production and everything, um isn't as big as a Kevin Hart skit or something. Does that make sense? Oh, it, you know, well, you're right. I used to make, like I told, I think I told you this. I used to make documentaries. So I mean, I can tell they they light it, they light it professionally or whatever. They light it. The people who light it look like they've been lighting this before. Basically, mm-hmm. they've done this before, right? But I mean, yeah, they don't throw up too much, too many graphics or too much effects or whatever you want to call it. But um but I wonder honestly, like I wonder um especially with all the you know, with all the things going on, I actually kinda wonder like I'll give you an example. Uh there was a woman uh, about a year ago, there was a lady working at a movie studio in California. Not a, like a production company in California who said that her company was moving across the country essentially because of the fires, the California fires. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God. And then, like, I mean, so my town, I, I, I live in Atlanta area. And my town, before the pandemic, basically, like, the way I say it is these little two-year-olds that are outside, you know, in the houses outside, their kids are going to see Atlanta as the as the entertainment capital because you have all these movie companies moving to Atlanta, like uh-huh. all of them. <laughs> you know, of course now that you have the pandemic, I don't know what that's going to be, or if it's going to be anything. Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, what do you think? Do you think? You could ever have like a Netflix, something Netflix big, but be it social media. So you mean like something net? Uh, what, what what do you mean by Netflix big exactly? Are you, are you mean something, like something huge, like absolutely huge that accounts for serious amounts of bandwidth, that has lots and lots of amateur content creators, but is social is fundamentally social media. Yeah, I mean, I think how how I, I think Netflix and Hulu are actually getting to that point themselves. Like, so if you notice, Netflix is coming out with more and more Netflix originals, right? That's only like one or two degrees removed from Netflix picking up small content creators and going, "Hey, make our platform." Um, you know, make our platform for us, essentially. Uh, YouTube tried that. YouTube um, Originals never got really big because they, I feel YouTube didn't have the right audience for that. That That's actually one thing I do want to mention. With all the social media talk we've been having um, today, uh, your audience is the biggest decider of where you want to put your social media time and effort. If you're targeting, you know, 35 to 50-year-old women, you're probably going to avoid things like YouTube and Twitter. You, you, you'll put a little bit of time and effort into them because you should be on all platforms, but you're not going to put most of your time. You're probably going to focus more on Instagram and Pinterest just because that demographic 
tends to like the imagery and the social media layout of those two platforms. That being said, Netflix has kind of captured the all-encompassing audience as a whole. Um, YouTube is more of the younger generation or the middle, I guess, I say younger because I I like to think of myself as younger, but the, you know, the 15-year-old to 30-something crowd, so the teens to 30-something um, is what YouTube has created. So the YouTube originals, where they're trying to make their own TV shows but using YouTube content creators, kind of backfired on them because people of the generations I just mentioned, the 15 to, like, the teens to 30-somethings, don't want that big Hollywood production. They want to watch their YouTube content creators create their YouTube content. They care less about the editing, the poli- the politics behind it, the um, makeup and hair stuff. They would rather see that person in their raw setting. The, uh, I hope that makes sense. So I feel Netflix is close to doing that, though. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, but it just strikes me that one of the things we're looking for here is we're looking for, you know, like some, well, first of all, like you and I are probably not going to be the ones driving. It's probably going to be right and proper kids, (laughs) you know, like, Mm -hmm. right, you know, high schoolers and stuff are probably going to be the one, ones driving it. But what's amazing to me is like one of my um I'm of the age now where some of my friends, some of their kids are pretty old, old enough, you know. And like middle school age. And they they're like so my friends are like it's totally crazy that my kids don't want to watch TV. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just blo- it blows my mind that my kids don't want to watch TV at all. They don't <laughs> They don't care. (laughs) But, I mean, who knows, man? Yeah. What were you going to say? Oh, I I was going to say, just in um, conjunction with the whole kid not wanting to watch TV, the last time I paid for cable was when I had a small apartment um, when I was going to college, and that's because the Internet company gave me, like, a free three months, and I had to pay the rest of the year for the cable company, you know? So... That was the last time I had cable, and that was going on almost 10 years ago now. So, so it's, right. you know, it's just kind of I mean, one of those things that you don't need. You don't need to watch TV. They're consuming media on their cell phones or tablets or what have you, whatever social, whatever Internet-connected device they have. They don't need to watch the TV. They've already consumed 10, 12 hours of content, of entertainment, on their phones. I mean, I used to, I used to like be plugged into the, I guess the what, what we today call traditional media, and it just it blows my mind to think back, like, like everybody thought back then, like twenty years ago, people. I mean, the internet was around and people were using it. And, you know, Napster was a thing. But, and, you know, you you would get kind of around the edges of go online and, like, look at videos. But now it's just, it's to the point now where I don't know how long, how much longer cable companies are going to be around, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, 
The big saving grace of cable companies is that every major cable company jumped onto the internet bandwagon. So they are all your internet providers. So a lot of the, I mean, Hollywood's still going to be a thing. I, I don't see Hollywood, Hollywood might change. It might adapt more, um, direct to Netflix releases, more direct to Disney Plus, Hulu releases, those sorts of things. But Hollywood is still going to be a thing. And as long as movies are a thing, there's going to be a place for your show, your HBO channels or your, um, big, um, big blockbuster channels like that. So cable companies okay. might adapt, but they are going to, they're going to stick around. They, they're they going to have to change for sure, but they are going to stick around because there's still a, a whole generation of people that it has to go through before they trust the internet fully. All right. Okay. Wait, wait a second. You said movies are always going to be a thing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love doing this to people because it, it kind of proves my point. All right, so take the pandemic out of the picture, right? Take uh-huh. the pretend like the pandemic isn't going on, and the re- pandemic recession isn't happening. All right, remember back to the epic of time known as January 2020. Okay, uh-huh. from January, when was the last time you? Let me tell you what I mean. When was the last time you got either in your car or somebody else's car or walked or whatever down to a theater, paid money, and sat in a seat? Let me when was see. the last time you did that? Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. So, to be fair, I might not be the right person to ask that question to because me and my wife are huge Disney fans. Um, we have annual, well, we had annual passes to go to Disneyland here in California. So we go every time a Disney movie comes out to the theater to see it in theaters. I'm just trying to remember the last actual movie. Um, let's see. Oh. It was probably, and there, and there, it was probably in February. Okay. There's a hard mode. Mm-hmm. Okay. February 2020. Mm-hmm. All right, you, re- you ready for the hard mode? Here's the yep. hard mode. When was the last time you went, you got in your car, somebody else's car, same deal. When was the last time you relocated your physical being to go to a movie theater and pay money to see a movie that was not a either a sequel or a Hollywood franchise? <laughs> All right, that one... That one's a little bit, that, that one's a tough one. Um, exactly. That one I can't think of. It might have been, um, um, Ferrari, Ford versus Ferrari, which was like a year and a half ago now or something like that. That came out. Okay. Now, how, for the, I'm not going to age shame anybody, but for the purposes of our conversation, for the purposes of this little exercise here, you said you were 28 years old. 29, but yeah. 29, okay. I'm the generation above you. When I was not your age, when I was about nine years, seven, I'd say seven years younger than you are today, me and my buddies would go to the movies, not every week, but almost. 
And a lot of the movies we would see would be like, I mean, I'm of the age where we would, if if you saw like this movie and you were like, oh my God, this is going to win an Oscar or this is really amazing or, you know, like go see this. Holy God, you got to see this movie. Blah, blah, blah. You know, people would go see it. Right. I'm talking like American Beauty. I'm talking like uh, Usual Suspects. <laughs> yeah, yeah, things like that. So when people say Hollywood movies are always going to be around, I got to push back. I don't know. <laughs> you, know? you know what All I'm right. saying? Yeah, no, I can, I can definitely see that. I I feel how to put it. I feel we have two different definitions of movies always being around and Hollywood always being around. I didn't mean they will exist necessarily in the form that they do now, um, because on a completely different note, I completely agree. There's very few and far between original original movies coming out now. Everything's a sequel or a reboot or a completely – it has might have a different characters in a different setting, but it's basically a retelling of a classic story like – you know, Hamlet or something to that effect. But I will say, I feel it might take some more time now. The pandemic has definitely thrown a wrench in the work, so to speak. Um, You know, because a lot of those film creators or um, screenwrites start out as high school kids just kind of messing around with their friends out in the woods next to their house with a camera, you know, and they create their first indie film or whatever. Um. I had a few, I've had a few friends that have tried doing that, going down the director route, and, you know, it, it's a great starting place. So I feel the pandemic might have put a wrench in the works there at least a little bit. But I feel what we're going to see in 10, 15 years, we're going to see a resurgence of original content in Hollywood. I feel there, I feel the dream of wanting to be that big Hollywood producer, or that big Hollywood director, or the big Hollywood screenwriter is still alive and well. Um, I just feel it's going to take some time to catch up before we start seeing movies that were like, oh my god, I really want to, um, I really want to go to the theater and see that that's going to win a, that's going to win this award or that award, and everyone jumps on that bandwagon. Right now, we're just kind of going through a lull period of time, so to speak. Yeah, I, I kind of think we're going through a lull, but, and I also wonder what entertainment's going to look like, you know, later. But, uh, Jonathan, um, was there anything, um, anything else you wanted to cover? No, I think that was it. Um, I guess the big takeaway, I'd like everyone listening to this now and in the future. You know, because there's a lot of the information I was mentioning might be outdated, you know, if someone's listening to this 10 years from now. The big takeaway, though, is be ready to pivot. Facebook might be king now, but in a month, Instagram might overtake it, and you need to be ready to jump on that bandwagon. Or, you know, we were just talking about Netflix. Netflix might become the next great social media platform because they decide instead of working with Hollywood and other companies like that, they want to open up their doors to content creation as a whole and become a bigger and more spiffed up version of YouTube, in which case, be ready to pivot there. What do you know, before you go, if you have a second, 
What do you know about Oculus? Like the, the Oculus Rift? Or yeah, the, the Facebook device that you put on your face. It's like a virtual, like a 3D sort of immersive situation, I think. Yeah, yeah. What, so, what do you know about that? So, me personally, I feel the real game changer is augmented reality, not virtual reality. So, let me just kind of briefly touch on that. Virtual reality puts you into the space. Augmented reality takes the stuff you want to see and puts it into your space. So, augmented reality is something like Pokemon Go. Do you remember that app that caught on, like, crazy a couple of years back? Do I remember what now? I didn't, I didn't quite hear you. Oh, so, sorry. Um, so, augmented reality is kind of like Pokemon Go. Do you remember the app where people would run around with their cell phones trying to catch Pokemon? Oh, I totally... I have a funny story to tell you off air about Pokemon Go, but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah anyway, so... That. All right, so I think augmented reality is where the future is, where you'll be walking around and you'll be wearing your, hopefully, Google glasses, hopefully those finally become popular, or, you know, Facebook glasses or whatever. And they function as normal glasses, but when one of your friends messages you, instead of you pulling out your cell phone, which you still have, by the way, you'll always have a secondary device to make calls or whatever the future of communication is. But your glasses will tell you, hey... Um, ben just messaged you, and you'll be able to talk. You'll be, you'll say something like, "Hey, glasses assistant, message Ben that I will be on the call with him at nine fifteen or whatever time it, you know, whatever time." And that's what I think will be the next big jump. It won't be virtual reality; it'll be augmented reality. I actually kind of think that the glasses thing is gonna. Well, okay. I think it's either going to take off or it's going to fo- or it's going to totally flop. Um that's what I think. Mm-hmm. But I think there's going to there's either going to be a heads up display type situation or there's not. And I think it and what I mean by that is like so I, I'm of the opinion like I'm of the thought that so like why aren't conversion vans like a much more desirable car or vehicle, right? Mm-hmm. Like the best platform doesn't always win out. <laughs> you know, <Yep>. like <laughs> I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. No, definitely, definitely, it's it's definitely right time, right place, and everything. You know, don't forget, right, MySpace yeah. essentially created Facebook, and they were just a couple of years too early to the game for it to really catch fire. Facebook came in with a slightly better marketing strategy a year or two later and just overtook it, you know? Um, right. Everyone was laughing at that time, too. You know, everyone was thinking, oh, MySpace is amazing. There's no way this little guy Facebook will overtake it. And before you knew it, MySpace isn't even a thing anymore. <laughs> well, what I think is crazy about Facebook is objectively, like objectively, for what it used to be, which was friends communicating with each other. The old Facebook was better. Mm-hmm. Like it objectively was. And and then it just sort of changed, and now it's basically a promotional tool. That's what mm-hmm. I see it as now. You know, it's a promotional tool, and people can put their kid pictures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, definitely. I mean, everybody, everybody promotes themselves on Facebook now. Even the mother of two that just decided to randomly start crafting face masks during this pandemic. You know, she she might not be marketing with thousands of dollars, but she's marketing to her friends and family and everything else. Yeah, but what I've discovered in my own, with my podcast, like what I've discovered is like word of mouth and like fa- between word of mouth and Facebook, right? Mm-hmm. Literally between those two things, you can really do a whole lot, like a whole lot. If you mm-hmm. put out a good product, people will talk to you. People will talk to other humans about it. You know, I'm just saying. Yeah, definitely. That uh, actually, uh, I, I know we keep um, going and going, but one other thing I want to bring up on that topic of a good product. It used to be, if you would have asked me three or four years ago when I first started taking marketing classes and everything, I would have said quantity is key to being noticed on social media. I would have told you, you need to be posting, you know, a dozen times a day on Twitter, eight times a day on Facebook, and put up five or six pictures on Instagram every single day, and don't forget about X, Y, and Z also. You know, I would have been advising that everyone spend six hours a day on social media if they want to promote their platform. But because everyone became so noisy and actually agreed with that sentiment, it became flooded. Now, quality matters more than quantity as far as social media is concerned. One good post will always, and I mean always, outperform a hundred okay posts. Given that everything else is equal, you know, given that you have the same following as the person putting out a hundred posts. That's right. Um, that's it. You're absolutely right. And what I think is amazing is, like, some of these, like, music artists, I feel like they have to be social media promoters in addition to musicians or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Oh, no, definitely. And, anyway, uh, Jonathan, it's been great. And um, I'm going to text you my email address so you can – Drop me whatever links you want me to throw up on the feed, which I'll be doing that either today or tomorrow. Okay, awesome. Anyway. I'll get that. I'll get that email out to you as soon as possible. Thank you for taking this time to have me on your show. I really appreciated it. Oh, I appreciate it too. And I'm, I want to have you back. By the way, I want to. I totally want to have you back. Um, is there anything you want to tell the the crowd out there, the people? Hey, I just want, yeah, Internet Land people, I just wanted to let you know, you know, Ben's podcast is really great. I actually spent a couple hours last night listening to some of your older episodes. Big fan now, definitely going to be returning. Um, But besides that, just social media is the gateway to just about anything right now in the current landscape of marketing. If you have a side hustle that you want to get more business to, just start posting on social media. Like, don't be afraid of what other people will think about you. That's what I want to leave the audience with. That's absolutely right. And remember that, folks, remember that you're better than you think you are. 
I know it's that true. sounds crazy to say, but you're better than you think you are. You're more confident than you think you are. And, you know, this is a whole new world. Mm-hmm. Honest to God. If if you can get those Rhett and Link people and, you know, Good Mythical Morning, if you can get them to talk snarky about fast food and have it be like this amazing YouTube channel that blew up, I mean, good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. Wow. Oh, People yeah. want to see stuff. Definitely. Anyway, I'm I'm going to have you back on the show. Um, thanks for being a listener. And um, I actually, I'm kind of curious off air. I want to find out what you heard. All right. I'm going to, okay. I'm going to quit the recording now. Okay. <laughs> Talk to you later, Ben.